Our story is told of a man who could not have children, a man who had a desire to have children. And the clock kept ticking. Even for men, the clock ticks, just not as fast as ours. The clock kept ticking and ticking and ticking. He wasn't getting any younger, neither was his wife getting any younger. In fact, so bad that he had given up. It was so bad that he had decided to find plan B. Who am I talking about? Abraham. Abraham is no stranger to you and me. Whether you've, whichever lifetime you have logged into Christianity, there's an Abraham somewhere that you have heard about. Father Abraham had many sons, and that includes you and me. Amen? Genesis 22. Let's turn to Genesis 22. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 to 19. Let's start from chapter 17. Sorry. Let's start from chapter 17. Chapter 17 talks about the move now, the journey from being Abram to Abraham. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am, the, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make a covenant with you and will exceedingly multiply you. Verse 3, Abram fell on his face and said to God, As for me, my covenant and God said, sorry, to him, As for me, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer will your name be called Abram, but your name will be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and will make you exceedingly fruitful, and will make, an, and will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout all the generations an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. All the land of Canaan where you now live as strangers, I will give to you and to your descendants as an everlasting possession and I will be their God. And the story goes on, and the story goes on. The topic that I want us to look at today is, where is the sacrifice? If you must give this message a title, the title is, where is the sacrifice? Where is the remedy? Can we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you thankful for the blessing of life, thankful for the blessing of the cross, we stand and ask, Lord, that in our midst you reveal yourself, that in our midst you supersede who we are and make your presence known and make your presence evident and tangible in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many have found themselves in a problem? How many have found themselves in a problem like you're in a matatu and then you realize you don't have credit, you don't have money to actually pay the makanga? Hmm? Has it happened to you? All the money is on M-Pesa. <laughs> so it's not that you don't have money, but the money is there, but you can't access it. Or, you, or they won't take M-Pesa. Or you'll have to put Yakutoa. Now your fare is not only 50 shillings, it's 80. 
How many have found themselves in a challenging situation that you know you can't fix? So Abraham was not alone. Abraham was not alone. Abraham finds himself in a situation where he needs a son. He needs an heir. He needs someone to take over from him. If you've read the story, which I believe you have, time goes by, he gets the son. Does he get the son? He gets the son. He gets the son that he's loved. First he gets Ishmael, who is neither here nor there. But then again, now Isaac, the son of promise, is, is born. And you would expect that it's all glorious and God should be clapping and saying, away with you, you're done. Let's go back to Genesis 22. Genesis 22 verse 1 to 19 presents us with a different scenario. Now the one thing that Abraham has asked for is being required of him as a sacrifice. Let's read very fast. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, as if God is saying, I know you love this one, and I know he's the only one, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. So Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering, arose, and went to the place that God had told him. Then on the third day, I believe, of his journey, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place in a distance. Verse 5, Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there and worship and then return to you. Verse 6, So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering for the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife. So the two of them walked together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And his father said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Here is the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham, verse 8, says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then came to a place. You know the story, isn't it? But let me, let me skip down to verse 10. So they get to the top of the mountain. Abraham lays his hands on his son. I don't believe Isaac just said, Oh, father, lay me on this altar. Eh? Tie my feet. He, the Bible says Abraham did what? Abraham, verse 9. Then they came to the place that God had told him. So Abraham built an altar there. I'm, sh I'm sure Isaac was helping, lifting stones. Not knowing that he was the one going on, to that, on that, that altar. Arranged the wood. He probably helped him split some of it. Then he bound his son and laid him on the wood and laid him on the altar. Verse 10, then Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife 
to slay his son. So, was Isaac a solution? Was Isaac a... In God's eyes, Isaac was not really what Abraham needed. Remember, I started with a man with a problem. What does he want? A son. And then he gets a son. But if you look at the covenant that was given to him in in chapter 17, it's talking about nations. The man just wants, the man just wants a son. But God is coming that, ah, let's, let's make nations. He's already 99. How many more nations can he get? But God is saying he wants nations. So when God asks of Abraham to sacrifice the one and only son, the one desire he has had for 70 years, let's say he started desiring at 20, God is making a point that he is bringing a covenant in the area of deficiency, in Abraham's area of deficiency. Abraham doesn't have a son. He's not looking for nations. But God is telling him, I'll give you nations. In fact, in, in, in chapter 15, he's asking himself, will Eliezer inherit everything I have? Eliezer? How many Eliezers are there waiting for the things that, that you have? How many Eliezers have you seen? You can see that, Yanni, that job was supposed to be mine, Lord. I am qualified for this one. That Eliezer is standing there in his servant suit carrying your gift of honor. How many things have we longed for that we are missing? And then when they come to us, they look like they're being taken away. What am I talking about? What is the one thing that can fix the problem we have? What is the one thing that, we, that can fix the challenge we have? We all have challenges. But when we fix one, another one comes. Isn't it? How many are like that? You think you've finished. Now they will know that it is done. Hmm? You pay your rent in March, forgetting that June is there. <laughs> you pay your rent and you, you long for a time where you will just silence this voice called rent. Silence this voice called pain. This voice called barrenness for some people. The sound of Penina's mockery. The sound of emptiness around you. This morning, Pastor very ably placed a very interesting message to us. Very authoritative, I must say. That the thing we have received is priceless. That there is only one sacrifice. There is only one sacrifice that silences everything. Romans 3.23, I think, is talking about all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is the shortage we all have. We all have fallen short of the glory of God in one way or another. Let's look at another man called Jacob. Let's quickly look at another man called Jacob. That's Genesis 32, very fast. Genesis 32 is a chapter that's talking about Jacob preparing to meet who? Esau. He cheated his brother of his birthright and cheated his way through everything. Now that he is done with dealing with Laban, in chapter 31, now he has to face who? Esau. 
Because the Lord had told him to go back. So he is challenged at what he's, what is he going to do to appease his brother. So Jacob is very scared. Let's look at uh, verse 3. Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He, call, he commanded them saying, this is what you say to my Lord Esau. This is what your servant Jacob says. I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, verse 5, and donkeys and flocks, male servants and female servants. And I'm sending this message to tell you so that I may find favor in your sight. The messengers returned to Jacob saying, we went to your brother Esau. He is coming to meet you. And what is more, he has 400 men with him. Then Jacob was very afraid and distressed. He divided the people that were with him, along with the flocks and herd and the camels into two groups. Then he said, if Esau comes to the, to the one camp and attacks it, then the other camp which is left must escape. And Jacob said to God, O oh God, my father, O oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your relatives and I will prosper you. I am not worthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown me, your servant. For with my staff I crossed over Jordan and now I have become two encampments. Verse 11, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. And then, now this is what reveals Jacob's problem. For I fear him that he will come and attack me and the mothers of my children. It's not strange that he should be afraid. Is it strange that he should be afraid? But what is strange about this passage is what, is what Jacob does to gain that favor. Let's move to, let's look at uh, verse 5. No. Let's look at verse 13. Verse 13, so he spent the night there and selected. What did he decide? He will make a gift okay, for his brother Esau. He selected what was with him. Uh, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 female camels with their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and the list goes on and on. And then at some point, he sends the wives and the children. So this is the price of favor that Jacob is putting. This is the price of Esau's favor. He's quantifying it, isn't it? Ten bulls, donkeys, dividing everything, all in an effort to fix one problem. He needs favor. He needs to survive. All of us at some point are doing exactly the same thing. We put our papers forward. We call our connections. We count on mama's prayers. We even do a fast and add it to the heap of remedies. We spend a cash. Believing that after that, 
But the verdict wasn't lifted for Jacob. He was still shaking. He could not spend that night peacefully. So he decides to send the wives and send the children, cross over, and then returns, and then the wrestling began. Don't lose the connection. There is a connection between what Abraham is going through and what Jacob is going through. Or should I even add another person? Can I add someone else? There's a man in the Bible called Moses. Moses has a stubborn lot for a congregation. They forget. They forget the miracle of the Red Sea. They forget the miracle of manna. They forget. He keeps giving and it's not enough. Now they are hungry. Now they are thirsty. This one time in Exodus 17, they are thirsty. Very thirsty. They are about to stone him. Moses cries out to God. God gives him an instruction to do what? Come on, you're Bible scholars. What does, what does God give him an instruction to do? Exodus 17, the very first time, God gives him an instruction to strike the rock. He strikes the rock with the staff with which he separated the Red Sea, the Bible says. And the water comes out and clapping. Sindio, is this the end of the story? No. Now do you wonder why God chose Israel for exhibit A? Of his love for you. They are stubborn. So they were the best illustration. Of how everlasting God's love is. If he had picked maybe. A different tribe. They wouldn't have illustrated. Just in case you think they are so. My husband always laments on. How God is patient. When he thinks about how stubborn Israel is. And I agree. So Moses is dealing with a stubborn crowd. Jacob is dealing with a need for favor, a need for reconciliation. Abraham has a son that is now required for sacrifice. And I like Isaac's question. Where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? We have the fire. What is the fire? Your degree, your English, this white dress. Eh? It might not work. Sindio. Your connections. Where is the wood? In your mind, I know the list is going on, isn't it? What haven't you done to fix that thing? Isaac is asking, where is the lamb? Where is the one solution? Where is the thing that will silence this whole thing altogether? Jacob wrestles with an angel. And when he crosses over and meets Esau, after bowing many times, Esau is asking him, what's with all the gifts? Have you read that? Esau is asking, why are you giving me so many gifts? Why, 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 what's all this? Meaning it didn't even work. The guy didn't get the point. Oh, you haven't read that part. I'm trying to fast track us. Okay, let's go to verse 20 of Genesis 32. I hope I'm not losing you. You're very intelligent people. Clap for yourselves. Genesis 32 verse 20. Let's start from uh, verse 20. He says, Moreover, say, your servant Jacob. This is now Jacob coaching the team. When you meet Esau, this is what you should say. Moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the gifts that go before me. And then I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. But Esau, 
now I'm in chapter 33, verse 4. What does Esau do? 33, verse 4. Let's turn there. Esau runs to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. When Esau looked up and saw the women and saw the children, he's amazed at how the camp has grown, isn't it? Now let's move down to verse 9. No, verse 8. Esau says, what do you mean with all this company that I met? Jacob answered, these are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, no, I pray. If I have not, if I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my gift. So Jacob is still playing from a script that this favor has to be paid. He is still atoning for a sin in there. There's a guilt. Yes, it was sweet when he took the birthright. Yes, it was sweet when he took the, the prayer, when he gave him a plate of lentils or beans or big jahez and the guy is chewing away, not knowing he has lost so much. In that moment, it felt like a victory for Jacob. But now he has to deal with the guilt. He has to deal with the effect of his behavior. And even though he has wrestled with God all night and has a blessing that he hasn't yet realized is working for him, he still wants... How many are like that? You want to help God to silence the voice of your guilt, to silence the voice of your deficiency. I ask myself a question. What is life about? Is it about solving problems? Is it about solving problems? Is it about overcoming? Is it about being the best? And then what? We ask. Isn't it? We keep climbing and climbing and we keep moving and pushing for this and pushing for that. Where is the lamp? Where is this one thing that will silence that need? Can I put it to you today? There is a remedy. There is a remedy. There is a remedy. There is a remedy to homelessness. There is a remedy to lack of self-esteem. There is a remedy to joblessness. There is a remedy to lack of work. There is a remedy to lack of self-worth. There is a remedy to everything you're experiencing. To a failure to have peace, there is a remedy. Abraham gives us a very good posture mentally. The Lord himself will provide that lamp. Did he know that? Well, this is his son. He has to comfort him and get him to the mountain or else he'll have to carry him on his back. He has to give him an answer that will keep the, the walk going until they get to the top of the mountain. But at the same time, he's a man of faith. Can I say to you, even when you don't know where the lamb is coming from, can you say the Lord himself? Abraham probably pre believed that after he has killed Isaac, God will raise him back. Isn't it? He had a faith for, that was dramatic, I think. He believed that somehow this God who gave me this son will figure it out. If it's not Isaac, then maybe another Isaac, maybe Sarah will get pregnant again. We try over and over again to rationalize how God will do it. 
But I love the way the story plays out. Aram is caught up where? In a bush, in a thicket. Meaning that Abraham doesn't have to do the thing. He doesn't have to do the thing. He doesn't have to, like, like Jacob, he doesn't have to send the many goats and sheep. Like Moses, he doesn't really have to strike and strike again and, and find food for them in the mountains. And find he has one solution that will silence all that. A priceless solution. Brothers and sisters, can I put it to you that Jesus is that solution? Jesus is that solution. The book of Hebrews declares him as the one and only sacrifice. That no more do we need sacrifices. No more do we need the blood of bulls and goats that only covered the sin for one year. And after the next year you had to come back and you had to come back and sacrifice again and sacrifice again and sac- one year after another. How many things have we been doing in our own effort? How many things have we been pushing for in our own effort? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short. What does that mean? We have not put God in his place. We have sought options. We have sought options. We have, we have worked up some concoctions. If this doesn't work, plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. Then I just surrender. Why should you surrender after nine when you could have done it at the beginning? Because you don't trust it as an option. There's only one sacrifice. There's only one name by which men can be saved. Many things, many things bring us here. Many things bring us here. But I want us to do a test. How many, if you have been healed after prayer at any one time and you know that you know that this is God, stand up. Physically. Physically healed. If you've ever been healed, wow, you may have your seats. If you have ever had a financial breakthrough, (laughs) a financial breakthrough that you know that you know plan A, plan B, plan C, with not the answer, but this was God. Stand up. You may have your seat. If you have witnessed God's hand in another person's life, stand up. If you have witnessed God's, as in you look at this person and you say, the Azenga I knew some one year ago is not the one I'm looking at. The pastor I knew some five years ago is not the one. This is the testimony of the remedy I'm talking about. This is the testimony of the remedy I'm talking about. I don't have to look so far to convince you. My job today is very simple. Let's get him back on top of the list. Let's get him back on top of the list. Let's get him back on top of the list. For there's no other name by which men shall be saved. There's no other sacrifice 
There's no other solution for you. You ask me, God, Irene, how will, will God give me a job? Leave that to him. He'll figure it out. Abraham says he'll provide for himself. But you have to be willing to kill Isaac. You might even go through dividing the camp, sending the goats, if that's what it takes to psychologically prepare you for the wrestle with God. But I pray that you're not like Moses. That instead of speaking to the rock, you strike it. I pray that you don't miss the one thing you've been fighting for. Going through the desert, in and out. And you say, shall we always provide solutions for you? And strike when you should be speaking. For the remedy you have been given is not compromise. If Isaac must die, let Isaac die. Because it wasn't until the, the knife was ready to go down that the lamb or the ram appeared. It wasn't until it's the next day that Esau is coming that Jacob just decided, I'll not let you go until you bless me. But let us not be like Moses who saw it from afar. That you could have been the best businessman in the city. When it comes to car parts, you got it. Or you could have been the best professor. You could have been the best pastor. You could have been the best mother of all. Let us allow the remedy to work. Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? John summarizes it for us in John chapter 1. John summarizes it for us and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. John chapter 1 verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the what? The sin of the world. Who takes away the sin of the world. And after him there is no more sacrifice needed. There is no more sacrifice. There is no more sorting of the, the sheep to know which one is the best. There is no more qualifying yourself. It is to say, Jesus, you died for me. And I come before this problem with you at the front. This is in Guinea, are just tools in the toolbox. The Bible says that the stone that the builders rejected turned out to be what? How many things has God given you? How many options has he shown you? I'll do it. He's like, get up and go. And you're like, eh, I need to see like fire in front, a cloud, something, a flag. If that's too much to ask, let a madman cross here. <laughs> and then I will go. But faith is the journey he's calling us to. Faith is the journey he's calling us to. When we can't see it, when we can't touch it with our own hands, Faith is the journey he's calling us to. Many of you stood up today to testify that God has done something in your life. Can I say that when you cannot see him, go back to that bag of testimonies and say there was a time I needed something he provided. I can still count on him. There's a time so and so prayed and she got something. I can still count on him. And then he'll get bigger and bigger and bigger in your sight 
For we walk by faith and not by sight. But that faith comes by hearing. It's not just the word of God. The testimony of what you have been through is there to encourage you that the remedy you're looking for, the one thing that will fix, because you have done everything that you can, like Abraham, to prepare for the sacrifice, the wood you have, the firewood you have, the fire itself you have. You even have a donkey which could have carried something. But slowly by slowly you have to acknowledge that there is a place in this journey that only God can take care of. Prepare if you must. Prepare for you should. But there is a place where only God. And that's the place that Abraham acknowledges. God will provide for himself. That's the place that Jacob says, I will not let you go. Because I have done everything that I can to appease. And now, not only am I so big, I can't protect them all. When he ran away from his brother, he was alone. Now the camp is so big. How does he protect them? He's so vulnerable. He's so exposed. But he recognized that it was a blessing that he needed. A true blessing. One that he hasn't concocted. Because he was good at concocting. I'm sure those sheep were hybrids. Someone needs to refer to him about crossbreeding and everything. But today, today I'd like to place the cross as a remedy for us. Can we put Jesus back on top of our request list? Say, Lord, as I walk into this day, you are my, my solution. You are even my bus fare. You are my bus fare. You are my passport. We used to call them passports when I was growing up. You know what a passport is? The face. Hit anywhere else. Don't hit my passport. Because it's the one that opens doors for you. Sindio, you don't know. Telling you things are tough sometimes. The flower must blossom and be seen by the bees. Hey, let God be your fragrance. Let God be your color. Walk in counting on God. And if it doesn't work somehow, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we just know he has a plan. If it doesn't work the way we want, he has a plan. How many believe he has a plan? Why don't you stand on your feet tonight? And let's acknowledge him as the plan for our family, as the plan for our workplace, as the plan for our business. We've looked everywhere to borrow money, to, to come up with some capital. But let us look to him. Let us look to him as the solution. I like more David's idea. David stands before Goliath and says, Who is this? And circumcised Philistine. David has him in the right place. Everyone else sees the size of Goliath. David sees the size of God. Like there's no comparison here. Can we put him in his place? Can we put him in his place? Can we put him in his place tonight? Can we declare him as king of kings? In our work with him in our talk with him lord we are not counting on what we have to be the solution come on open your mouth what lord we are not counting on what we know 
to be the solution. We are not counting on our cars. We are not counting on our perfection. We are not counting even on our skill to get us to that place. For like Abraham, you have a covenant for nations. We seek sons, but you give us nations. We seek small things, my father, 